And today we're going to continue, beloved, we're going to continue on the churches. We're doing our final church today, which is the Church of Philadelphia. And we're going to be in Revelation 3, verses 7 through 13. To the angel of the Lord in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, on his way, beloved. It is a promise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. <laughs> Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God, and I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who's the church? You are the church. You are the overcoming church. You are destined to be the overcoming church. God sees you the way he created you to overcome and not to succumb. Okay? That's how he sees you. And he'll never change his mind. He's never, he's never had another thought about you. Other than that, you are his overcoming people. Okay? So... We're going to do this a little differently today. We're going to go through verse by verse, and I have a lot of uh, Greek definitions to help us understand the fullness of these verses. So be patient with me today, beloved. Revelation 3, 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Okay, so that's the pastor. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. You have an advocate on your side, and he will open to you mighty opportunities when you stay in him. And what he opens, no one's going to shut. 
the key of David. There's only one other place in Scripture where the key of David is mentioned, and it's Isaiah 22, 22. So we're going to study that. But first, we're going to look, and we're going to see. It says he holds the key of David. He holds the key. Okay? He holds the key. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Key. What's key? Key is a symbol of power. Key is a symbol of authority. And he's given that to you. So in the, in the time of kings and kingdoms, okay, a little bit of history. In the times of kings and kingdoms, the one with the keys, the keeper of the keys, the key master, whatever you want to call him, he, it was that person and that person alone that held the keys, that had the authority to open the doors to all the king's treasury, okay? All chambers, all chambers in the palace. You had to know the key keeper. He was the only one that could open those doors. The only way to get in was to know the keeper. Who's our keeper? Jesus. So, <laughs> hallelujah, thank you, Lord. So in the, in the sense of spiritual treasures, okay, the keeper of the keys, he is the one that has the authority in the heart, by the way, the heart, the love for you. Got that? The love for you? To give you entrance into new spiritual realms. Every single one of you, okay, I'm prophesying this over you. Every single one of you, is on the verge of entering a new spiritual realm. Don't take no for an answer. Believe the Lord for that. He never means you to be stagnant. He has got great treasures in spiritual realms. We are living in an open heaven. Okay, y'all know that, right? We live in an open heaven. We don't have any brass ceilings. So, in the Gospels and in Revelation, Jesus has a key ring, and it has um, uh, multiple key ring, keys on the key ring, and he's the only one who has those keys. I'm going to give you a couple references. We're not going to go there, um, but I'm going to give you so you can look it up on your own. Matthew 16, 19, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, these are keys that are mentioned, all right? Um, he gives that to us, and he tells us that what we bind is bound and what we loose is loosed, okay? And he's the one who opens and shuts the doors for us, but he, he allows us to bind and loose. He's commanded us to do that, right? Okay, Luke eleven fifty two, the key of knowledge. Revelation 1, 18, the key of death and Hades. Revelation 3, 7, the key of David. Revelation 9.1 and Revelation 20, verse 1, is mentioned the key to the shaft or the key to the pit of the abyss. Um, King James there says the bottomless pit. Okay, so lots of keys. So Jesus has them. He's the only one. He is the only one. Your relationship with him is vitally important. He is the only one who can allow people to pass from one realm into another realm. And what is that for the believers? It is from glory to glory. He sees you moving from glory to glory. He's not disappointed in you, beloved. He sees you moving from glory to glory. 
That's his destiny, passing from one realm to the other, the heavenlies, um, the treasures of heaven, heaven on earth here today in our lives, okay? The kingdom come here in our lives. So if we want to move from one level to another level in our spiritual lives or from one opportunity to another opportunity, from darkness to light, in any situation, in any situation, we need to know Jesus. We need to abide in him. We need to be connected to him. We need to go after our relationship with him, with fire in our hearts, right? With passion, all right. He's the open door, realm to realm, in our lives. He, w- he is the person who helps us go where we need to be, where he wants us to be. He sees us as victorious. He sees us as overcoming, okay? And we need to see ourselves that way because it's the truth. It's the truth of the word. 3-7, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Okay, a little bit more history. The open door um, for the Church of Philadelphia, it was on the eastern border of Asia, um, and so it had an open door to Asia Minor, all right? It had the opportunity to witness, to minister in um, Phrygia, Mysia, you know, the, the, the towns in Asia Minor. And so they had an open door. That was an opportunity that the Lord was giving to them. That was part of their mission was to share Christ to the outlying area. So we are given opportunities, aren't we? And we must seize the opportunities that the Lord gives us. We must be aware. We must listen to the Holy Spirit, invite him to speak to us and to give, give us the good counsel that he has for us. And don't think that an opportunity that he gives you, don't think that an opportunity is too small. There's no such thing. No such thing. Revelation 19.10, don't think it's unimportant. Don't think it's trivial. Uh, Revelation 19.10 tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how important your testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, your testimony of Jesus, have you ever thought how important that is? It says right here that it is the spirit of prophecy. Well, you know what that spoke to me when I was preparing this? That spoke to me that when you give your testimony to another person, you are prophesying the same over them. You are prophesying the goodness of God over them. You are prophesying the saving grace of God over them. You understand that? Whatever you have gone through, God will use it. It will be your testimony, and it will be a prophecy over other people's lives. Because what he's done for one, he does for all, right? He'll do, he'll do for another, right? He's not a respecter of persons, okay? So that's important for you to remember. The open door, the key of David, uh, they're connected. And so we're going to go through Isaiah 22, um, verses 20 through 23 or 24. 
um, verse 20. I'm going to read it to you first. In that day, I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will be a seat of honor for the house of his father. Beloved, you are a seat of honor too in the house of your father. You must recognize this about yourselves. And not let the devil convince you of anything else, anything other than that. You are strong. You are courageous. You are on the seat of honor. You are an honor. You are a glory. You are precious to your father. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will be it a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring and offshoots, all its lesser vessels from the bowls to all the jars. Okay, this is a prophetic word about Jesus, correct? 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 Yes. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. Eliakim is a type of Jesus. Okay? So we're going to look at 21. It says, I will hand your authority over to him. 22, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Thank you, Lord. In the Aramaic, okay, I just want to, it has a little bit, a little bit different. It says, I shall clothe him in your coat. I love that. What has Jesus done for you? He has clothed you in himself, actually. You're hidden in him. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are hidden in him. You are clothed. Don't, don't let that, don't let that um, reality pass you by. You are clothed. What better place to be? What more secure place to be? What more beautiful place to be? And clothed in his coat and in your girdle I shall gird him and your authority I shall give into his hands and he shall be the father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the men of the house of Yehuda, and he shall set the key of the house of David on his shoulder and he shall open and there is none that will shut and he shall shut and there is none that will open Hallelujah. When Jesus does it for you, it's done. Period. Period. This is all authority. This is a ruling hand, the ruling hand, not a ruling hand, the ruling hand, all government given into his hands. Okay? So we're going to go through the meaning of a couple of these words. Shoulder. He is the one who bears responsibility for the key. He has responsibility for the key. To all the house, to all the great treasury of the Lord, to all that could have at one time been considered mysteries, because remember, he's torn the veil for you, beloved. 
right? He doesn't keep secrets from you. When he tore the veil, the entrance for your complete communion with the Father was given. So he shall open and none shall shut. Verse 23, I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will be a seat of honor for the house of his father. Drive. In the King James, it says fasten. So a nail in a sure place. Think about that. A nail in a sure place. Again, this speaks of Jesus' eternal rule, his sure place. No one is ever going to move him. Nobody could ever move him out of his place. Right? No entity can take his place. No one and nothing will ever move him from his place of power and authority and honor. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive the same, the same, the same. Not a diminished Jesus. You're not walking around with a little bit of Jesus. <laughs> You're walking around, what? All the fullness. He has destined you to receive all his fullness. Okay. So no one, when you are established in Christ, no one can move you out of your place in him. The devil wants you to think that he can move you, but he doesn't have the key. Okay. So Jesus is the key. He's the key master. He holds the key to every single one of the king's treasures. Every spiritual blessing in Christ has been given to you as a believer. But we must maintain relationship with him. We must know the one who holds the key. Okay, and you can look at key a couple of ways. Key would be the pivotal one, the main one, the, 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 um, the primary, the only, okay, that, the key one, the pivotal one. And it's also the person who has the answer, the key, the answer, the solution to every situation that you encounter, okay? So you, you can look at it both those ways. So he holds every key to open and close every opportunity in order to fulfill God's perfect plan in your life. Don't let the devil convince you that you got too far off, right? Not so. God will complete the good work that he began in you. All right. So Jesus, he's our point of contact to enter every realm of blessing in this life, every spiritual blessing, every realm of the open heaven in, in which we walk, that he has given us access to, his key. He gives us access to the open heavens. Okay, Revelation 3, 7. Jesus, 
is the key to your future. Jesus is the key to your destiny. Jesus is the key to fulfilling God's plan in your life. He is the one who helps you and me move from faith to faith. He is the one that helps you and me move and I move from glory to glory. He is the one with all wisdom, with all understanding, with all knowledge. He has the key to your ministry, and it's unlocked. He's unlocked the door for your ministry. He is the key to your dreams being fulfilled. He is the key to all the beauty of God demonstrated and manifested in your life. That's his heart for you. He opens every opportunity and he gives you passage. Does that make sense? Are you, are you getting it? Are you hearing it? Are you, yo, yo, okay. 3-8. I love this. I know your deeds. I have placed before you. Okay, we're, we're going to study that out. I have placed before you. This is so strong in the Greek. It is so strong that it means the connotation of it basically is you will not be able to miss it. That's really the connotation of what, you know, it, it's not very good in the English. But when he says, I have placed before you. You're not going to be able to miss it. I've opened the door. You're going to see it. And you're going to know that it's me. Okay? That's how much he wants you to overcome. Like, he's going to make it really, really hard. No, he doesn't make it hard. You have to make it really, really hard not to see it. Okay? I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So Jesus gives us access. He gives us access into things that might normally be prohibited by the world. He removes the barricades. He renders the shackles totally ineffective. He breaks the chains. Right? Right. He tore the veil and he has given you access to every single treasure of God. No more separation. There is no separation between you and the Lord. There is none. Jesus tore the veil. Where did he come from? He came from glory. He showed us glory. He tore the veil. He went back and he says that he has given us the glory that God gave him. There is nothing that he has that he has not made available and that in his heart he doesn't want you to have. Fullness. Fullness. Greater works. The glory of the Father. Entrance into the vine. Access to the divine and every spiritual blessing. Just like the ladder that Jacob, when he saw the angels ascending and descending, and he said, surely God is in this place. God is in your place. The angels are ascending and descending, bringing you the treasures of heaven. All you have to do is believe it. It is true. It is yea and amen. There is so much more that the Lord wants us to have than what we are experiencing. The more belongs to you. 
access to the supernatural heavenly realm here. Not later, not later, here. Right now. Kingdom living here. All we got to do is just walk through. That's really all we got to do. Just walk through. Just believe it and walk through. Know your God. Know his heart for you. Know his love for you. That's the key to all of it, is you knowing his love for you. Okay, door. There are several different types of doors, a lot of places where doors are mentioned in the scripture. I'm just going to give you a few so you can study it out. 2 Corinthians 2.12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, to preach the gospel of Christ, and found that the Lord had opened a door to me. See that? He opens the door for his ministry in your life. Colossians 4, 3-4. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. This is a door of utterance in truth. Don't think you can't do it. The Holy Spirit is always talking to us, okay? He will give you a door of utterance to speak the truth in love. Revelation 4.1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Beloved. Are you going to believe that for yourself? He is saying to you, come up here. No hindrances, no closed doors. He is saying, come up here and I will show you. I will show you what may take place after this. Are you guys excited about this or not? Because you should be. I don't know how you couldn't be. I mean, he wants to show you all the glory of heaven raining down in your life so that you can flood it into other people's lives. So that's a door of revelation, right? That's a door of revelation into the supernatural realms. Nothing missing, nothing hidden. Revelation 3.8. I know your deeds. I know that you have little strength. Okay. In the Greek, that word little is numerical. All right? So just remember that. It's numerical. Little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So he knows their deeds, and he's actually pleased with their deeds. No. Okay, no, the word no there, I'm going to fill out the definition of that, is to be aware, to behold, to behold. And the word behold in the Greek is like, wow, that's, what it, that's really what it translates as. To consider, to perceive, to appreciate. In other words, he's saying, I am intimately, I am intimately aware of you. I am intimately aware of what you have done, the the works that you have done for me. 
There's nothing about you that I don't know. And I appreciate. I've been to your church. I've seen your heart. I know everything about you. That's how he's saying, the, that's how the word know here is being used. That's how he is about you. He is intimate. His heart is intimate toward you. Okay? And he goes on, and he says, you have little strength. In other words, there weren't very many people in this church in Philadelphia, the Philadelphian church. There weren't very many. That was a, that was a numerical word. He said, I know you are small, but you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Okay? And I want to give you what the word keep means. Listen to this. It means to stand guard over like a soldier. To stand guard. I know that you have kept my word. You have stood guard over like a soldier. They did not allow the pressures coming from outside sources, coming from society. They did not let the pressure change their view of the word. They did not um, stray from the truth of the word. They did not allow the ideologies of society to mitigate the importance of the word in their lives. They kept it fiercely. Okay? So, you are small, but you have kept my word. You are small, but mighty, basically. Because of your faithfulness, in other words, because of your faithfulness, because you are small and you have fought the good fight. You are fighting the good fight. You see, that's what he's basically saying. I'm going to open amazing doors in the spiritual realm, amazing doors of opportunity for you. You get that? Okay. Scripture tells us that to him who is faithful, God is faithful right? He's faithful all the time, but anyway, so we transition from realm to realm, but here in this earth, we live in the fullness, no limits, no hindrances. The divine appointments, divine nature and giftings of the Lord just exploding on the scene for you in your life and for the church that keeps his word and does not deny his name. Um, three, nine, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Okay, so what's he referring to here, the synagogue of Satan? These are the Jews that, um, basically thought that the church was, a rebellious cult, so to speak. Um, they were adverse to the church. They would stir the pagans up to persecute the church. And Jesus said that they were liars and that they were not authentic. He called them the synagogue of Satan. And he would make those people fall down at the feet of the Christians and acknowledge that Jesus loves the church. 
He will set it all straight. You do not have to vindicate yourself ever. You see that? He knows how to set it straight. He knows how to vindicate you. He, in, in Psalm 37, 6, it says, He will make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. When, when your cause is the word, when your cause is Jesus, he will make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Okay, that, that honestly, that gives me comfort because when I see a lot of the ideologies that are pervading the culture and they are coming against the church, the gospel of Christ, you see, I can take comfort. I can be at peace. I can rest. I can be assured. Okay, I just stay in Jesus. I don't have to fight that fight. He's, he takes care of it through us, through the wisdom and understanding and knowledge that he gives us. 310, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. This is a promise of protection for every believer because you have been faithful, because you have endured, because you have kept my word. I will keep you, keep, again, it means to, to uh, keep out of and keep out from among the hour of trial coming upon those who live on the earth, okay? We already went through keep, guard, observe, watch over, preserve, maintain, spiritually guard, keep you intact. He will keep you intact. You do not have to fear. He will watch over us, guarding us as a soldier guards treasury. That's how he keeps you. The hour of trial. That's trial, testing, being tried, calamity. You know, let me, let me go back actually. Here it says, uh, command you, you have kept my command to endure patiently. I want to look at that word. Another translation says, keep the word of my patience. And I want to briefly tell you in the Greek the fullness of that word patience. It means staying power. It means stamina. It doesn't, okay. You know, when we think of the word patience, we're like, okay, well, I'm just going to be patient. I'm just going to be this little sweet little patient thing. <laughs> that is not what this word means here at all. Not one bit. This is a strong, strong, enduring type word. It is staying power. It is stamina. It is durability. It is keeping the territory that you have gained. It is not, it is take, not taking no for an answer. It is saying, Jesus Christ has given me this in his word, and I refuse to relinquish what I own. Every single promise in this word belongs to me. Every place where I step is my ground because the word tells me it's my ground. And I will not relinquish it. I will not give up. You may not have it. That's what that word patient 
is referring to. It is a steel, a rod of steel endurance. It is saying, I will never give up. I don't care what it looks like. I am not giving in. I am not surrendering. There will be no surrender here. That's what that word means. That should put some fire in your bellies, brothers and sisters. It means that at every opportunity, when I am given the opportunity to quit, I will not. It means that when I am under a heavy load, I will refuse to bend under the load because I have a God who is stronger than the load and a Jesus who bears my burdens. That's what that word means. Hallelujah. So the hour of trial. So certainly Jesus is prophesying about the tribulation here. You are going to be kept from the day of wrath in Jesus. Certainly he's prophesying that. He is also telling us that in the midst of hard times, he is there. He is with us. He is the brother. He is the one who stays closer than a brother. He is for us and not against us. He has won the victory, and it belongs to us. Okay? We just stand on the promise, and we are not moved. I am not moved by what I feel. I am not moved by what I see. I am only moved by this word. And you're going to need that in the end times. And you're going to need a church that believes that. And that isn't really concerned about preaching about social whatever. We preach the word. We walk the word. We live the word. Verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. This coming soon, that's a a sense of urgency on his part. I am coming. I am with you. I am for you. Hold on. Don't quit. I'm helping you. Hold on to what you know. Hold on to what you have. Hold on. It means be strong. It means rule over. It means take control. It means prevail in me. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to hold on by the, what's that, what's that saying? I'm just going to hold on by the skin of my teeth. I'm just like barely hanging on. I'm like just barely dangling here. No, no, no. That's not what that means. It is a power word. Hold on to what you have. And don't let anybody say anything different. Don't let anybody convince you of anything different. Grip. Keep your grasp. Take by force. Seize what you have and don't let go. Don't let any man, any person, take Jesus' victory from you. What he has already guaranteed you, what he has already promised you, what he has already given you in the word, no man can take it. And I am certainly not going to lay mine down on the ground for somebody to trample on. I'm not going to do it. 
The crown you have been given is the victor's crown. That's what you've been given. The crown from Jesus. When he went to that cross, it was finished. The blood did it all. So, oh, can I just tell you this? Just so you know, I think this is another really kind of neat historical thing. When the church was originally established, the, the pool, the, the people that it was drawn from, were the politically and the governmental um, leaders, rulers in, in their respective societies, in their respective cities. And so if you, if you think about that, they, they were the people that uh, were to govern and to make the rules. Okay, what has Jesus made you? You are the one. You are the one that is supposed to reign in your culture. It's not the government. It's not political leaders. It is you. Unfortunately, the church gave up that right, and you are here. Every single one of you in this church, every single one of you is here to take it back. And I'm, and I'm not just saying that frivolously. You are here, you are destined to be the rulers and the reigners in your culture. You have got to go forth with your testimony because that's how it happens. Right? That's how it happens. Um, ecclesia, the word ecclesia for church, you know, it meant, everyone knows this, it meant to be called out, but you probably may not know that what it really was, was it was a... Um, they were called into a public place of counsel to actually deliberate, to make the decisions. You are the church. You are meant to make the decisions. Revelation 3.12. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God, and I will also write on him my new name. Revelation 3.12 there, it says, never again will they leave it. Okay, historically in Philadelphia, it was a city that had like tons of earthquakes. The ground there was extremely unstable. And it's just amazing how the Lord uses things in our lives to get spiritual truths to us. So this was something that they certainly would have understand. And what had happened was they would move out of the city because the city had all these structures. And they were concerned that those structures would fall during an earthquake and would fall on them and they would be harmed so they moved out of the city and he's saying to them no longer will you be toppled no longer shall you be afraid of being shaken no longer shall you be afraid of being harmed because I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple I'm going to make you a pillar for me that will not be shaken you guys say that. You make that as a confession over your life. I will not be shaken. And that's why he used that term there. A pillar. No matter what type of shaking was going on around, when everything else seems to be falling apart, their firm foundation made them unshakable. Firm, secure, 
without threat of being torn down or toppled. We have a sure foundation. We have a sure foundation, a peg in a firm place, and we will not be shaken. In the Greek, okay, it says, him who overcomes. In the Greek, that is the one who continuously, it's a continuing process. The one who continuously overcomes. It's a, a process. Okay, if it weren't continuous, it would mean there were no more battles, right? But it, it, it's, it's the idea of a continuing process. So obviously, there are going to be battles. You do not have to feel guilt or shame when a battle comes your way. You understand? So many people get in so much um, self, whatever you want to call it, um, can't think of the word right now, but yeah, thank you. Condemnation. When the battle comes, and well, if I were strong enough, this wouldn't be happening. Obviously, if we have to be continually overcoming, there are battles that are going to come. There, that, but here's the key. We just don't shrink back. We don't get into all that self-doubt. We don't get into all that self-condemnation. We just don't shrink back, and that pleases the Lord. Um, we fight the good fight. We persevere. We continue to fight no matter what. You are the pillar, the strong, the steady, the unshakable in the midst of every difficulty. Second Timothy 4, 7 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. Beloved, that is so precious that that's what he has for you, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He who ha- uh, thir- verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Beloved, the Holy Spirit in your life is crucial. You can hear him. He's always speaking to you with good and loving and kind counsel. We have got to welcome continually the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it says, he who has an ear, let him hear. So listen up. Have an ear for the things of God. Desire to know what he's saying, to understand his ways and his thoughts and his desires. He will give you intimate details for you, for you personally, all the nuances that you need about how to be an overcomer in this life. And one more thing that this, when I read this and I really started thinking about it, when I read this in uh, the Strong's Concordance and I started thinking about it, um, I mean, this really, this totally exploded in my spirit. I'm like, I am so glad you showed me that, Lord. When it says he speaks, what it means there, when, when I started reading the Strong's definitions, it says what it really means is he will lay to rest all other arguments. Man, I was like, that is amazing. Originally... That word meant lay down to sleep. When he speaks, we can lay down to sleep. You see? When he speaks, we receive his peace. 
And it, that's, what it, that's how it was originally used, lay down to sleep. And then later it said, laying an argument to rest. In other words, bringing the, me, the, uh, bringing the matter to closure. His word, his speaking, his word to our hearts brings the matter to closure. You see that? I mean, th that is amazing to me. It means moving to a conclusion, bringing it to closure, laying it to rest. So when I see it in my word, it is laid to rest. I'm not going to think about it again. I'm not going to think about it again. If it says it here, it's so. You know, Oral Roberts once said that, right? Y'all know that? He said, if you've heard from God on something, don't ever ask another human being. Because the word is true, yea and amen, it never changes. It accomplishes exactly what it was designed to do. But anyway, back to this word speaking. So when we hear and follow what the Holy Spirit speaks, what the word speaks, what the promises of God speak, the wisdom, God's wisdom, is going to cause us to lay down and rest. It will bring every matter to closure in our lives. It will lay to rest, it will lay it to rest, and it will bring us peace. And I am so comforted by that because I know that then I can read the word, I can hear from the Lord, and I know it's settled. It's firm, it's finished, it's done in my life and in your life. So this was a very encouraging word to the, to the Church of Philadelphia. And I have to believe that it was an encouraging word to you today. You know, because he, the Lord, you are so precious to him. He is not trying to find fault. He is, he is here to encourage you. He is here to bless you. And when we cling to him, when we cling to him, his word is true, and we can be at rest. So that's what I had for you today. Um, and we're going to take our communion. If you don't have the communion elements, raise your hand.